Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the show where the host is out of coffee, oh, and no. that's a tragedy. <laughs> that is a tragedy. Podcast canceled. Podcast absolutely canceled. We're done. Yeah, I, I guess I'll have to live through that. I don't know. See, these working conditions, they're unacceptable. <laughs> Yeah. Who is responsible Listen, for this? I am in my room right now in a comfy chair and I'm out of coffee. <laughs> what is wrong with this world? This is hard. This is a bad world, yeah. Oh, you know what we didn't do last week? Is tell people about the funniest part of our setup, which is that I'm oh, facing yeah. the wall yeah, because true. my desk is up against the wall. You're and then the wall. you're facing the same wall from across the room. Yeah, so I can see <laughs> your back. And if I, like... <laughs> We have a we have a, a muted on, Skype call on Skype just for video. Yeah, so if I put my arm over, I can see my left arm come from the wrong direction on his video feed. I can put my face halfway in oh both if I really want. I'm an idiot. I saw so I saw your arm come onto my screen, and I was like, "Oh, that means I can do that to your screen." No, but your computer is no, back here. Me. That's not how that works. <laughs> Only I have the power to have my arm in two places at once. That's quite the superpower. You know, I wish yeah, I had yeah, that superpower. Power. I've got some superpower but, jealousy going on right now. Yeah, this is a pretty weird, pretty weird setup. <laughs> Honestly, having the video up makes it feel more natural. Yeah, even I think though it it's very weird. It's weird and especially weird because there's like a quarter second the, delay yeah. from me hearing you speak and then the video catching up. But it's better than just staring at the wall. Yeah, staring at that screen. Like I think if you were in a different room, it would be fine. Because then it just feels like a phone call. But yeah. sitting in the same room and talking at you while also having my back to you is weird. And the video helps. Yeah, and I'm like, I have to look at your face here. And if I look up to you, <laughs> I, I'm not looking at your face. I don't think Skype imagined that people would use it to muted call each other from two feet away. But thank you, Skype. I think Skype imagined many things that people would do with Skype. Well, then I hope that they made a big list of dumb things people might do. Actually, pretty cool use of Skype. My skating coach does Skype lessons and she has this like earpiece that she gives to her students. So they put it in their ear like a secret service agent Ooh. and then they put their phone like on the wall of the rink. Ooh. So she can basically see a, like a cone of the rink, like an area branching out from where the so, phone camera so she is. she can watch you. Yeah, and then she's in your ear. So she's like, okay... You're doing this technique badly. Like your That's three turn was sloppy. Awesome. And uh, she says it's funny because like the little earpiece has a mic too. So some people like curse under their breath when they screw a move up or something. And they like <laughs> forget that she can hear them now. That's so it's great. like having your coach in your head. Yeah. But also if somebody steals your phone, your coach could be like, hey, 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 <laughs> put that back. Put this phone back. I'm in the middle of a lesson. <laughs> yeah. I've been thinking about uh, having cameras in weird places. I, well, that's I was a good on, sentence so, by itself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, hear me out. I was on I was on Reddit today, right? And 
so the top thread was my girlfriend gets back at the dude who steals food of the communal fridge, like in their dorm. Uh, so what this girl did, because this dude kept stealing food, is she went out and found a dead lizard and put it in the pizza and then microwave the pizza to make <laughs> the cheese melt. What? And <laughs> she found it, right? I'm just she didn't like, go kill a lizard. No, she found it. But still, I'm like, let's see here. Which What's worse? A dick who just keeps stealing your food or yeah, psychotically putting a dead rotting animal in the food knowing that they're going to steal it and poisoning them. That's... Yeah. Just have a conversation. Just have, I know, right? Just tell me to stop stealing the <laughs> Come on. No, you got to put dead you gotta put dead animals in the food. I mean, I guess, that's, show them. I guess that's... You're using the dead animal. You're using all parts of the animal. It's true. Weird revenge I mean, pizza. I, I think the Native Americans would be proud. No, they wouldn't because it, this is ridiculous. If it doesn't kill them, it's some more nutrients, I guess. But no, you can. It's probably like a misdemeanor or something. Yeah, you're, that he's probably gonna get sick and waste all the nutrients that were in the stolen pizza. So. It sounds like that. Like that would be under the same laws. Like don't booby trap your house. As fun as it sounds to put a trap door. How? Why was on it easy porch? to find a dead lizard? Why was that easy? Where do they live? Well, we live in Iowa. I bet you there's like zillions of dead lizards in like Florida. Actually, I think they were in Florida. Zillions? I'm sure there were zillions. Oh, God. People Florida in Florida actually, overrun. you know, they don't call them windshield wipers. They just call them lizard swatters on cars there. Man. Because it, it literally rains lizards. Rains lizards. In Florida. That's why I don't go to Florida. Because the lizard weather is all just right. unbearable. And some of them evolve into alligators. Yeah. That all makes sense. Uh-huh. That's how it happens. That's how the alligators get in weird places. It was originally a lizard that and, fell from the sky. Yeah. And your girlfriend won't even go to Alligator World. Yeah. No. She'll never go there. She needs to face her fears. And I, th I think if I make her go there, we're going to have a problem. <laughs> it's not going to work out well for me. But yeah, I was... So, uh, cameras, right? I was thinking, like, what would be the... You know, the sane way to get creative revenge against this food stealer because you could have a conversation. But I think I think they said like it was an anonymous person, like it was a communal fridge. So they didn't know who was doing it and they had left notes, you know, so some people were like, well, just put ghost peppers in the pizza. And then, hey, that's a good way to do it. That's sane. It's not going to kill them. That's not very weird, but it's pretty good. But I was like, what if you hook a webcam up to like a raspberry pie and you hide it in the pizza box. So like the moment they open the pizza box, it sh like takes a picture of them and then you know. Yeah. That'd be great. Or you, you've got it on Skype and you're just sitting crazily at your computer <laughs> and it's got a little screen. It's got a little phone in there, a throwaway phone. And you're just like, hi, this is my pizza. <laughs> what are you doing? Bags under your eyes yeah, and sitting at your computer for like you've days. You've been on a Skype call for days. But man. Does the revenge feel good? You don't look so good. That would Was it worth it? That would be... Man, I want to get a throwaway <laughs> phone and make weird. weird I have Skype an, I have an old iPhone. I'm trying to figure out like Brilliant. how would you fit? I guess if you tilted it sideways, maybe you could close the pizza no, box. It was like a deep dish. You better have an unlimited data plan because you're also you're just wasting Skype calls. No, you just throw it on the Wi-Fi. Time. You're good. You just throw it on the Wi-Fi. Okay. Well, you, yeah. Oh, that's true. That's true. The pizza is probably at your. Okay. That's good. Brilliant. No, you don't need the unlimited data. Welcome to Creative Revenge. For petty things, the podcast <laughs> that would that would be so <laughs> that would be great. Uh, this this is like reminding me of my other podcast because on Listen Money Matters we just start with like the most random crap, yeah. which I think is a good way to start a podcast. I mean, some people aren't going to like it, but 
I was talking with my friend Matt the other day and he was like, we purposely designed the show where we like asked each other, you know, what are you drinking today? And then we'd ask the guests what they're drinking. Cause a lot of podcasts will go into interviews and the first question will be, so tell me about yourself. Uh, it's like a terrible, you didn't get terrible a, question. You didn't get like a conversation flow going. Yeah. And like what are you drinking is you like the most. Get relaxed. Get disarming question. Right? Get into your, I can naturally talk about this. Yeah. Like face. Exactly. So now we can naturally talk about today's podcast subject. Today we're going to talk about how you can stand out to recruiters, to grad schools, to whatever, if your GPA isn't so hot. Because I know in high school, I was like, my GPA has to be perfect. And my parents, they kind of reinforced that. I got to college thinking that early on. But as I got through college, I started to realize that my GPA didn't matter so much. And it really helped to cut down on some of the stress that I had with my uh, with my classes. But I know a lot of other people still feel like their GPA has to be the best. And um, there's all this confusion about like, what do I do about putting my GPA on my resume? What do I do to sort of offset a bad GPA? And we want to tackle that in this episode. So we've got a bunch of different ideas for you guys. The first thing that I was reminded of when you told me about this topic was, remember the episode with Brandon, like the very recent one? Adams? Uh, Yeah. Yes. You edited the show, so you probably heard him say like he had a 1.3 GPA in college. Yes, and yet later on, that same college paid him to speak there. Yeah. He was very proud of that, mm-hmm. and he should be, because that's awesome. He clearly figured out how to work with his not as great things. Yeah. So, I mean, Brandon's a perfect example of the fact that your GPA isn't everything. And in fact, college isn't everything. I don't know if you if you guys happen to listen to the narration I did recently of Ransom's article on achievement addiction talked a bit about how school is like this culture of assessment, right? And all of society is kind of built around judging your performance in school when you're coming up. Like most people's parents expect them to get good grades, if not all A's, then at least like, you know, they're looking at report cards and there can be punishments and rewards meted out for that. So like a lot, like all of the authority figures in your life are kind of expecting you to pull good grades and everyone's telling you your grades are going to help you get into college and all that kind of stuff. But if you think about it, school is just one form of assessment. It's one form of learning. And yes, it takes up a lot of your time and is built up by society, but it's not its not the only thing that's going to help you do whatever you're going to end up doing after school. It's just an institutionalized method of learning and progression. Yeah, it's not like you graduate with a two point something. Game over, man. Life is done. Yeah, you're totally done. It's, Go, uh, here's a McDonald's application. Yeah. <laughs> you can actually circumvent that, it turns out. Yeah. Now, before we get into some of the things you can do to kind of offset a bad GPA, I don't want to come out and like, I don't want to say that GPA is completely meaningless. I don't want to give the wrong impression there because in certain instances, your GPA can be very important. And I think there's kind of like a spectrum of certain career fields, certain types of companies, and uh, whichever one that you're shooting for is going to determine what to what level your GPA matters. So for instance, if you want to go to medical school or graduate school, you can go listen to the episode with my friend uh, Ryan Nguyen, who was a medical student, and he tells you like, yeah, or no, it was the one with Ryan Gray, sorry, how to get into medical school. And he was like, yeah, GPA is 
pretty important for medical school. And um, going back to Ryan Newen, I think he told me his GPA as an undergrad was like a 3.6 or something, which is good normally, but for medical school is like not the super like top level GPA. Like a lot of medical students have like perfect GPAs. Uh, he was able to get in because he had a lot of experience doing Doctors Without Walls, which is, I don't know if it's a charity. It's like, it's kind of like an outreach organization that helps people get medical care who can't afford it. So that's something that helped him stand out along with his blog, which was Practical Pre-Med back in the day. So there's definitely things you can do, but there are certain types of career fields or like graduate school paths where your GPA does matter. So don't just be like, I can be Brandon and throw my GPA to the wind if you want to go be a doctor because Brandon is an entrepreneur. He has not had a job since graduating, if I remember correctly. So, and neither have I. So in that case, it doesn't matter. Yeah. So don't, don't take all of this to mean blindly. Yeah. Time to stop trying at school Mm -hmm. because I'm just going to do this cool stuff instead. Sometimes there's a bare minimum that you're going to have to get. I'm actually, I'm actually curious. What was your attitude towards GPA and did it shift? Through college. Did it shift through college? Yeah. Well, my original attitude was I wanted to get a 3.5 okay. at least because I, I've i never been the type to care about a 4.0 that much as long as I'm doing cool stuff mm-hmm. on the side and it's fulfilling and it's working out. But I didn't get a 3.5 actually. In the last couple semesters, I didn't do quite as well. I stacked on more stuff. I ended up with a 3.2 something. But I still felt pretty good about it. Did well at the career fair. Did well in every interview I've ever had. Nobody's ever complained. Nobody's even talked about my GPA in any of my interviews because of the other stuff that I would always make sure it's right there. You see it. We talk mm. about it in conversation. I don't want to talk about my GPA, even if it was good. I don't. That's not an interesting conversational point for me. Yeah. So I didn't want to focus on it. Have you ever had an interview that even talked about your coursework at all? Sometimes my coursework, if it's very specific, if it's like, so what kind of, you say you have a networking degree, did you do this kind of thing? Very specific to the, say, majors, the core stuff that I learned. Okay. But they're usually talking about specific. They're they're talking about like skills. Subjects. Did you learn this skill? Yes, I did learn this skill. Here's how I learned it. And here's a cool way I used it outside of class. That usually sells them. They don't, nobody's really asked me a lot about school. Mm-hmm. compared to the other stuff yeah so it's not like you're going to an interview and they're like so martin uh looked at your transcript here actually i phoned up your uh networking professor and it looks like october 17th 2011 you got 37 out of 40 on a quiz oh you caught me and we would just really like to know like what what was happening that day you know well i didn't care that's, you know? <laughs> that's like what's that's, happening that day we actually believe that that is the most important factor in our decision to hire you those three points. Yeah, see, I think my ability to talk about the actual skills and topics <laughs> from those classes was useful, but they've never, nobody's ever asked me about kind mm-hmm. of, I want to say the way that the schools measure what you're learning. They asked me about what I was learning, but they didn't ask for, here are all the numbers and statistics schools use yeah. to measure that stuff. I want to I wanna grow my company now and then do a joke interview where someone comes in and they actually like, you know, we actually reprinted that quiz okay, and we would you, like you to you take, take it, it now. Would you like feel you, comfortable? If you can improve your score, then we'll hire you. <laughs> that, would, that would be great. 
<laughs> jaw drops. And but weird. I listened to that podcast. You said it didn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> I lied. Well, I see you did that homework, but I want you to do this homework instead. The correct answer is to walk out of the interview because do you actually yeah. want to work here? Yeah. <laughs> that actually brings me to uh, something I want to talk about, which is like one of the most commonly asked questions that both I, but also like career advisors get. And that is like, should I put my resume on or wow, switching up terms here. I swear to drunk officer, I'm not God. Should I put my GPA <laughs> on my resume? And there is like a million variations of this question, right? Cause you can have like, what's the, what's the lowest GPA I should put on my resume. And can I put my major GPA on my resume instead of my cumulative GPA? If my major GPA is better. So it's like all these questions. And unfortunately you get a zillion different answers. I don't know what they ever told you. I know what I was told. I believe they said something to the effect of most companies who like at least the ones that come to our career fairs want to see like a 3.2 or higher. So if it's lower than 3.2, don't put it on your resume. And if it's higher than 3.2 do. So when I was going through college, that was kind of my rule of thumb. But I looked this up. Uh, there's a Quora thread here that I will link to. And the question is, can I put my major GPA on my resume instead of my cumulative GPA? There was actually some interesting answers here. So this lady named Gail McDowell, who is the author of a few books on interviews, she said, not only can you, but you should. And she had a couple of bullet points. One of them was, as long as you're honest, then you can sort of do whatever you want. These really aren't very rigid rules on resumes for technical positions. So basically just do whatever makes you look best. And then she was talking specifically about computer science and technical positions, but she said that employers care more about your in-major GPA than your overall GPA. And if they could only see one, they would rather see your in-major GPA. And I think that kind of makes sense, don't you? Well, yeah, because what if I did fantastic in all my electives all the time mm -hmm. and I got straight C's in my all of my business classes, they can't tell that from my regular GPA. They just think, oh, he did well, but he didn't do as well in the classes that literally matter to why we would pay him. Yeah. This guy didn't really do good in his home ec class, he's, but... Yeah. Well, hey, he's not going to be very good on quesadilla day, but he can code, so I guess we'll hire him. Yeah, it's more specific, and the company's hiring you probably based on the major you chose, I would imagine, not on your electives. Yeah. Actually, I might think twice before hiring someone who can't make a quesadilla. Yeah. But, uh... <laughs> it's okay, sir. I can... I'll Google it. Yeah. Yeah, if you can Google how to make a quesadilla, you're hired. But no, there was another guy. So this guy works at Google. I think his name is Kartik. Yeah. And what he said is, after having interviewed 500 plus engineers over many years and being heavily involved with the recruiting at some of my past companies... I can confidently say this is a non-issue. What you should understand is that GPAs on resumes are a very approximate indicator, but for someone who doesn't know you, they're one of only few indicators to go by. So you only have one goal with your resume, which is to land a phone screen and subsequently an interview. And I know at some companies, there won't even be a phone screen. You'll just get the interview, but big ones, you'll probably have a phone interview first. So continues, uh, your GPA will only matter if it is bad in terms of being used as a negative filter, which isn't the case for you. Uh, this was a CS person, computer science person asking the question. Beyond that, if you can code, your GPA doesn't matter. And if you can't code, your GPA also will not matter. <laughs> yeah. So I think a lot of people were just, you know, there's some more people in the thread saying like, 
never put your GPA on your resume anyway. Just let your experience and your skills speak for themselves. A lot of other people say, put both. You can put your major and your cumulative. So it's hard for me to put like an outright recommendation here. Well, I think I, it depends on the companies you're Yeah, I think it might depend on the company. For. I think if you're going to go for a big company, then maybe stick to the rule that I heard, which was 3.2. And if your major GPA is better than your cumulative GPA, I might put both. If you perceive that it's a company that's not going to care, which is going to be most smaller companies and gauge the industry on bigger companies, I'd probably just leave it off. Just put where your education was, when you're going to graduate or if you've already graduated, and then let your experience speak for itself. And this kind of gets into the meat of the episode where you really want to utilize everything outside of your academics to sell yourself and to sell your skills. So this gets into tailoring your resume towards every job that you want to apply for, making sure that your most relevant and impressive job experience is at the top. So when someone's scanning your resume, that's the first thing they see, all of that kind of stuff. And I mean, you you had a bunch of stuff written down here, so. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, what's I mean, we have a bunch of things we could pick from. What should we start with here? Well, first, let's see. Let's talk about personal brand because I think personal brand is fun and it's something that you develop over time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, basically you want to start thinking about it sooner rather than later so that over your college years, you can develop it because scrambling mm-hmm. to create a reasonably believable personal brand at the last minute, it's not going to seem as authentic if you don't actually know what direction it's going in. If you just threw some motivational words up on your thing and try to say, this is who I am, but you have no history of doing that, it's not going to be as natural. My personal brand, it's just a picture of like a sheep on a cliff, like pulling another one up and just says teamwork. See? That's my personal brand. Yeah, that's a good personal brand. <laughs> it's not It's not that great of a personal brand, actually. But I'm, I'm curious, what's your definition of personal brand? For me... My personal brand is the way I outwardly portray myself in primarily professional-esque contexts, but still in others as well. So what I do on Twitter, how I, what, what's in my Twitter bio, what are my pictures like, what's my LinkedIn say, what is my personal website like, what is it styled like, the fact that mine is minimalist right now, that says something about me. Mm. That is an important part of my personal brand, just like the text that's on it. It's the way I'm portraying myself to those that aren't just my close friends. Right. Okay. For me, there are a few different definitions. I think the one that I've held for the longest is that my personal brand is kind of the intersection between my skills and my interests and what I can do to help a specific market that does need help. So you kind of have like that three-part Venn diagram there. It's like, whatever is in the middle of that is kind of my brand. But also I think of like, what do people think of when they think of me or vice versa? When people think of a specific topic, does my name come to mind? Oh, that's a, that's a really good way to put it. That's like the reverse because mine kind of means the same thing, but the way you're saying is it gets more at what the purpose is. Yeah. So like when I think about you, when I'm like, okay, what's Martin's personal brand? I think of like, you know, likes to speak languages, really good at web dev, really chill, minimalist, you know, likes yoga and rap music. Like, that's what I think of when I think of you. And I only, I only think of rap music because, like, I know you've done, you've actually put out music in the past. I am Otherwise, pretty thug. I would just, yeah, you're pretty fair. thug. I'm pretty thug myself, but 
Yeah. <laughs> um, if you hadn't put out music in the past, I probably wouldn't associate that with like your professional persona, but yeah, you've published. So I, I do think of that. And I think it's hard to accurately gauge what you are. I think you can kind of come up with it, but it might not be the same as what other people would think of you. But I know that I want people to think when I think of me, I want people to think of like dude who does like really, who's like really informed about learning, you know, and uh, just education and also productivity and careers and that kind of stuff. Like, and the flip side of that. And I suppose the more important side of that is when people think of success in college, success in education and learning more effectively, I want my name to pop into their minds. Like I want to attach myself to those topics in those areas of interest. So that is what I try to do with my personal branding efforts. And like you said, that exists in many different realms. It exists in the relationships you build through networking because you're basically planting seeds in people's minds through the conversations you have, but also through very loud motorcycles outside. And <laughs> yeah, that's part of my personal brand. You know what? If that doesn't show up on the wave, like in, in the, <laughs> on the mics, people are going to be like, these guys are crazy. There's a yeah, we just hear things. Sounds. Well, I mean, we we did call each other from two feet away, and I'm staring at your back, but also your face. I always hear engine sounds anyway. So, you know what? What are you going to do? Witness me, blood bag. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought of Mad Max. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so you have your personal website. You've got all of your online outside of your, your online platforms outside of your website. So Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if there are social networks that are specific to your area, such as like if you're a graphic designer, then maybe like Dribble or Behance, like that kind of forms your whole online persona. And then you've got your business cards, your resumes and uh, everything that you do in personal interactions with people. Yeah. So to put to put this together, actually, because I like your definition a little better, I want to say your personal brand is what other people think of when they think of you and all mm. these other things, your website, your LinkedIn, your whatever. When you're crafting a personal brand, you are attempting to kind of like Inception, manipulate what they think about when they think of you. Mm. You can't always do it successfully if you send mixed signals or something, but your intention is to manipulate what they think about you to whatever degree you can be successful to yeah. make, to represent what you like about yourself, what you want to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I understand this can be difficult when you're in college because you don't exactly know what you want to be associated with. You don't always know exactly where you're going. So I think you have to take a little bit of a narrower view of it in many different ways, temporally narrow view, narrow view it because you're maybe just gunning for a job in the future, the near future. And you don't know if that's going to constitute your entire career, but it is what you're going to be doing soon. So can you align yourself with whatever will help you get that job? But also in terms of just your circle of influence and the specificity of the topics you're associated with. So obviously me wanting people to think of my name, like with the entire topic of educational success, that's a pretty tall order. And at this point, perhaps I'm getting close because the YouTube channel's done well. You know, CIG has been running for six years, but three years ago, my name would obviously not be the first to mind. And arguably, maybe it's not even the first to mind now. So if I narrow it down to like, oh, what does the Des Moines community or the Iowa State community think of? 
when they think like that specific subset of people think of that topic, does my mind come to name? If I was still in university, people on my campus or connections I have made, you know, administrators and advisors and recruiters, like if they think of that topic, are they going to think of me? When you take a little bit narrower view of it, it becomes a bit more achievable. So I did want to talk a little bit about personal websites just a little bit more because sometimes I get questions about what to do if you can't really demonstrate your work on a personal website. So just to kind of define this concretely, I think a personal website is number one, your online kind of hub for everything, like your home base. So all of your profiles kind of link there. If people find you on LinkedIn, if they find you on Twitter, they find you blogging somewhere, you know, it should all kind of come back to your personal website where you can represent who you are, what your skills are, what your accomplishments are, you know, what you've done to improve the world. This is what we do. And this is who we are. Yeah. We're Dobus PR. We're Dobus PR. PR. (laughs) And uh, it also is a way for you to show off your work. So the obvious example here is a portfolio. If you're a graphic design student or if you're a computer science student, you could have a portfolio of your work to show off what you have done in the past. But I get questions from students who are like, say, you know, medical students or hospitality management, or, or there's a lot of different majors where they're like, there's not really a body of work that I can point to and say, this is what I've done because, you know, I dissected a cat. Like I'm not taking pictures of the cat I dissected and be like, look, I know where the gallbladder is. I don't even know if cats have a gallbladder, but it's not going to go on your website. To be so, fair, and it's a literal body of work. That is a body so. of work. Oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> yep. Still don't Dear recruiter, website, though. if you request it, I will mail you the cat cadaver. I will send you my body of work. I will send you the cat daver. Cat daver. And uh, <laughs> you can inspect my handiwork. Now the podcast is over. This <laughs> done. So I think if you're in one of those majors where it's really hard for you to show off what you've done through your portfolio, your personal website can still be really useful. Number one, just as a source of information about you. So you can, you can have your resume on there. Uh, you can have like, if you've ever mentioned to the student, you know, the school paper or something, you can link to that from there. So that's some publicity that is uh, useful to have linked up contact information. You can link to all your other social profiles. Like it's still a good home base. It can just be kind of like the point of contact. You can have a contact form on there. In fact, and I also think you can get a little bit out of the box with this couple of ideas here. There's one thing we've talked about in the past, which is what you like to call a love letter site. And you actually made one. Yes, indeed. So, uh, Worked pretty well. Yeah. So what's a love letter site? Because so I love this idea. I only know of a few examples of this outside of my own. But basically, say you want to apply to a job and you really want to stand out. So I wanted to work at Flying Hippo Web Technologies mm-hmm. in Des Moines, Iowa. That place is great. And I really wanted to make sure it worked. So I didn't want to have to be applying to a bunch of other jobs. I wanted to very specifically go for this one. So instead of just handing in a resume, I actually built a website. I want to fly with hippos.com and sent them that in, in the little contact form that applied. I was like, oh, by the way, you might want to check out my new website. I want to fly with hippos.com. And it's just like my own personal introduction to them specifically the parts of my work that would be most impressive to them. And it was a web development job. So to be fair, that site in itself was a good example of my work. I want to go back to it for a second. 
Yeah. Let's fly with hippos. And I did Bye. I did get that job. Yes, you did. I'll, I'll have you know from my later conversations with the people involved in hiring, that put a very good impression of, I don't know how yet, we got to hire this guy. Mm -hmm. We want to make this work. They were biased toward wanting it to work out, which obviously tips the hand in my favor during any sort of interview when they're like, okay, well, I wish he had a better answer to that, but I still I still want him to win. Yeah. I'm still on his side, so I'll let that one slide. It's like the ultimate way to make a great first impression when yeah. when the first point of contact isn't like an in-person meeting. Yeah, it's an incredibly you know? controlled first impression mm -hmm. if you have to meet digitally. Uh, there's what is it, the halo effect, right? So halo effects like, you know, the first impression you form of somebody is really powerful and it actually sort of taints every other interaction or piece of information you hear about that person. Right. So like to give a, a politically polarizing example, someone's like, look, <laughs> Donald Trump saved a puppy from drowning. And, you know, people who don't like Donald Trump are like, yeah, well, he just did that for publicity and people who love donald trump is like look at him making america great and full of more dogs so it's awesome. really what was your previous perception of him you're yeah. going to use that to color literally everything else exactly right so i think you did an amazing job of building a fantastic first impression and that just kind of colored every single interaction you had with them up until you got hired and it made them want to hire you and i, I think you guys should definitely go check out the site like it's a great example of this whole love letter concept I'm going to kind of run through a little bit of what's in it real quick. So you've got like the first section just sort of like, hey, I'm Martin. I really want to work for you guys. You just like state it outright. I really would love to join your team. I join your team. And then you had like kind of the stats. So what kind of coding languages you knew. You had something about your blog, how you knew different languages and how you like hippos, even though you're totally afraid of them <laughs> and like you're graduating. So like everything was there. It's like, hey, I have the skills. I'm skilled in other areas, so I'm like an ambitious person, and I'll be ready to start working for you guys real soon because I'm graduating. And then I really liked the next two sections because this doesn't often get stated until the interview a lot of times. So one, you had why I want to work for you, where you basically like buttered them up. You were like, you guys make awesome websites, and... I'm really inspired yeah. by like the cleanliness of your code and all that kind of stuff. I had examples of websites I liked that they did. Yeah. You actually linked to websites that they had made. So number one, you're communicating like I've done my research. Like I know what you guys do. I am not just trying to shotgun my resume to a zillion companies. Like I specifically want to work for you. And you're demonstrating that really well through linking to their work, showing you know you've done your research, but also just complimenting them. And then I loved how you put, you had this list of like six reasons you're a perfect fit. So you knew what they were about, you knew what they needed, and then you broke down exactly why you fit for their needs. So you're like, I'm, you know, I'm a pixel perfectionist. I don't do sloppy work. I don't just go through and build websites, you know, just to get them done. I actually really care. I really care about clients. You talked about how like you knew a lot about WordPress, but also just different languages. So you kind of have experience learning new languages that translates to code. And uh, the best one is like, I don't want a job. I want this job. Yeah, that was by stated. far my favorite. It was yeah. saying, I'm not desperate for a job right now. Mm -hmm. If you say no to me, I can move on and get a job. I'm not just saying, please hire me. I'm broke. I'm saying I want this job specifically. Yeah. And uh, you, you put, am I the best developer on the planet? Probably not. Will I work harder because of it and do my best to change it? Absolutely. Like, love that line. You know, and if I was the person hiring someone who had sent me a list like this, I'm like, 
that's what I want because the outright skill isn't always the most important factor when I, when you're trying to hire a new candidate. And I have been in this position several times now because I've actually hired freelancers for College Info Geek probably five times at this point. The outright skill isn't always the most important aspect. I'm more concerned with, is this person going to fit with the culture? Do they get my business? And are they willing to work hard enough to meet my standards and hopefully do better work than I could do in this area? Yeah, and one of the things they told me also was that it's easy to train a skill. We can teach you this skill if you don't know how to use Git yet. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to instill an attitude that you have toward working and toward working at a specific place. It's hard to just say, make this person really passionate about my business when really he just wants a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Or pick this guy who's passionate, teach him the extra skills, and bam, you've got a passionate, skilled person instead. Yeah, that's actually, I can tell you from the perspective of a business owner, I worry about the people working for me only caring about the paycheck. Because when I wake up every day, I am like stoked to do, run my business because I care about students and I'm really excited for doing all the projects I'm working on. And if I'm like, man, I wonder if this person working for me only cares about the paycheck, like it's a little bit of a downer. Whereas like I know you're like the same as me, like you want to see the site succeed. And in my mind, like that's more fun to be around. But I'm also just much more confident that we're going to get things done in a better way with when everyone has that attitude. Um, and I actually went to a session at VidCon a few weeks ago and I talked, I didn't talk to, but I, I listened to the founder of Patreon, Jack Conti, and he was kind of talking about these same things. Like there's always the employees who really care about supporting creators and helping them earn a living. And then sometimes there are employees who come in, they're not really as gung ho about the core values and core mission of the company and they don't do as well. He also really emphasized getting and receiving feedback a lot. So that's something I'm trying to do more as a sort of kind of managers, you know, asking for feedback from the people working with me and making sure that we're all on the same page and that I'm serving their needs as well as them helping with what I need to do. So I know, I know we were breaking down your website here, but I think we just like slipped into some general philosophy here. And I think it's good to kind of state that again. So whether it's your GPA or your skills, these things matter to a degree but ultimately the people hiring you are going to care more about the potential, which is communicated by your body of work, but also communicated by you outright stating, I care about this company, I know about them, and I'm willing to work really hard to learn. Well, yeah, because they don't want to worry. If another company notices I just hired this person, are they going to hire them for like five grand more and they're going to steal my new employee I'm trying to train as soon mm -hmm. as they're trained? Because then you've wasted a bunch of time training them, a bunch of time and money. Yeah. And you've got to worry, are they going to stay loyal? Or can they be scalped easily for the right price? I actually just learned recently that that's a, a worry that like skating coaches have too. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Apparently like it happens in the figure skating world. Like coaches will poach students from other coaches. That's not very I don't nice. know if that's the right word, but they should yeah. have a skate off. The coaches <laughs> should be like, you back off if I beat you in a do a bunch of twirly things on the ice contest. Well, figure skating coaching is I don't know the names. Like the coaches really do have an incentive to have great students because there's like master levels for coaches. So like you have to have a skater win a competition at like X level, like nationals level and if, if they do then you as the coach get some certification. Oh yeah, you you look good. Yeah, so that happens and I mean I I remember watching the Sochi Olympics figure skating and like the coaches aren't quite as famous as the skaters, but they do get a reputation 
for and having very good skaters. That reputation is going to help them get new clients too because they'll mm-hmm. be able to say, well, I trained them and they won a bunch of awards. Yeah. So I'm not going to say I'm amazing, but I I'm pretty amazing. am. <laughs> well, my coach is pretty amazing. so, And she's got a lot of the credentials to back it up. But anyway, um, going back through your website. So you have a portfolio on here. And uh, you actually designed my website. Well, you didn't design it, but you coded yeah. it. I designed it. You coded it. And that was a huge project. You had your blog on here. Actually, and what I find interesting, you know, and I think this is a great example for anybody who has the ability to go and do the thing they want to do without permission. Two out of the three examples in your portfolio are your sites. Yeah, they're just mine. Yeah, you had your personal I sites on here. I a lot of clients. And you had your language learning blog and then CIG. So two out of the three was just you just decided to sit down and do the work. Yeah. And I think you can do that in a lot of different areas. You know, say you're like a fashion design student. Maybe you can go design clothes and donate it to a charity or something, you know, and then like take pictures of everything you design. Just me. Yourself. Yeah. You know, a lot of times it doesn't matter who hired you. It just matters that you can show off the skill and the passion to do work and to get better. And then uh, the, so the last section you had was like cool hippo facts. Yeah. You know, and that's, so that's, it's a funny joke, but I think it also demonstrates like that you were kind of in tune with the culture of the company. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have put that if I was applying to Boeing, mm-hmm. that part would not be there, but no, you have cool plane about facts. Their, yeah. <laughs> cool <laughs> plane facts. Got JJ, the jet plane pictures on there. They, they, it's actually the cursor. No, but <laughs> I judged the company culture of Flying Hippo first, Mm -hmm. determined it was awesome and was going to appreciate this stupid joke and put it in there because I know a lot of random facts about hippos. Yeah. So I'm actually curious. Did you talk with anybody who worked there before building this and applying? No. So you had you had never had an interaction with the company whatsoever. My first interaction was uh, I'm going to blow you away with this crazy website. (laughs) I've never talked or I like had followed them Mm -hmm. on Twitter and stuff. Okay. That was it. So I've, I've never contacted them before then. Yeah, it was interesting to know if you had like maybe had lunch with a developer nope, or like talk nope. to somebody. So no that's connections, really cool. no extra advantage involved. It was this website was the advantage by itself. And your ability to make the website was just the product of you doing online research. That was it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the last section I want to mention here is you actually got pretty good, like lengthy testimonials from both me because you built CIG. And also our our friend Sean Davis, who is another WordPress developer. You hadn't done any work for him, but he was able to give you a legitimate testimonial because you used, yeah, I used the code tool. framework that he built and you like improved it and made it better and kind of tweaked it and customized it to yeah, build. I like sent him feedback on hey, yeah. what's this section? I don't know. So hey, another but, another great example there. You didn't work for Sean. But you did work that Sean was involved in. Yeah. Because you built you built onto his platform. And one more thing I want to mention about that section. You'll note if you read the quote from Thomas Frank, it doesn't say Thomas Frank, guy I'm a close friend with and happen to live with. <laughs> because that's not as impressive. That doesn't they're gonna be like, Oh, you just live with him? Well, I don't know that that's real. Obviously that portion was not actually important to whether or not I did good work. Mm-hmm. So I didn't say it. Why would I say that? And Like one of my, I had an elective kind of choose your own class thing at school once where I built my girlfriend's new website. 
But obviously I didn't just say, I'm going to build my girlfriend's website because it sounds like it's not as serious. It sounds like yeah. the work is somehow downplayed mm-hmm. by the personal relationships involved. So if you do it's like you have to do like for your friends or your family or something, don't put from mom. <laughs> Here's a testimonial from mom. My son is the greatest and he is super cool and I hug him every day. Don't, that doesn't need to be said if it's not that important yeah. to what you're doing. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like anti-nepotism. Yeah. <laughs> you must erase the relationships from it. Yes. If they're familial or best friend. Yeah, it, w- it would have a little less weight if it was like Thomas Frank, roommate, and guy who makes yeah, stupid because, jokes every night well, with I me. I would be personally branding you in their eyes as my roommate uh-huh. rather than entrepreneur. I want them to know you're an entrepreneur first. Yeah. They can know you're my roommate. I'll tell and them I don't you're think my friend later. It's not at all disingenuous because... It's, you know, a part of the reason that I that I hired you to help with CIG is because I knew you. But I think that's why a lot of people hire people. Yeah. Because, you know, connections. But you legitimately did a freaking fantastic job coding the site. And that's what my Thank testimonial you. reflects. Because I was like, actually, and I will tell you, and I have told you this, the reason I hired you was not, it wasn't explicitly because you are my friend. It was more... Because I knew you were my friend and because I knew you cared about what I was building, you would make the project your baby. And it wouldn't like I feel I felt like if I went and hired just some random firm, they would give me a list of things they would do with a price and then they would do them. And if there were things I didn't like or bugs, it would be more of a pain or I'd have to pay more to get them fixed. Where I was like with you, you care about the site, so you're going to do it until it's right. Yeah, see, so I guess the takeaway from this part is you're not only branding yourself if you build something like this. If you've got testimonials, if you're expressing that you have connections with other people, you're also kind of branding those people. So explain who they are in a way that says the good parts, not the parts that can make people assume it was blind nepotism Yeah. or that your skills aren't exactly what you're saying they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, so to kind of put a cap on this section your site is definitely amazing. Check it out. There's another guy. His site was called Florian is all in. And I I hope it's still online. I think it is. If it is, I'll have it linked up in the show notes. Uh, he was a guy that back in 2012, he built a love letter site for Adidas. And he was just a guy who really, really wanted to go work for marketing in Adidas. So he made this awesome site. He even made like this sample slide deck. It was like, here's my sample presentation for things I would approve with, uh, improve with Adidas marketing. And he got hired at Adidas. Yeah, see, that's so, that's a really boom. big example of this concept working. Yeah. There's one that I know is not online anymore. There was this guy who really wanted to work at Airbnb. So he made this super cool, awesomely designed Airbnb love letter site. And I think that might have been the first one I ever saw, but it's not up anymore. But I mean, this is, I think this is like something that everyone should do if they have a company they really want to work for. Yeah, now, I'm uh, not 100% sure that a website is the only medium. I'm sure you could... Yeah, it's not the only one. You could make, like, a crazy flyer or something. I don't know. I'm not an expert in, like, what designers would do. Maybe they would make a cool flyer or something. Yeah, and I mean, like, I've seen these in the context of, like, people applying for positions that are in the digital space. You know, you were a web developer. Florian was a digital marketer. I know that graphic designers who work primarily in print will do something called, like, a lead behind where it's oh, like some yes, yes. custom design thing that you kind of leave behind at the end of an interview. Uh, it's like their upgraded version of a thank you from the interview. And I see that as prime territory for 
expressing your desire to work for that specific company. You know, you could do a love letter in the form of that as well. But I think, you know, with the ability to easily create websites these days, there's no reason not to do it if yeah. you're really going to about It's a pretty decent default. Mm-hmm. Uh, one other idea I had for a general personal website, if you were in an area or major that didn't really lend itself to portfolios is like, what if you organized an event on your campus? Like you, even as a student, you could legitimately organize a TEDx event. You can go to the TEDx website and you can figure out like they have instructions on how to do it. I believe you could set up like TEDx Iowa State, for example, if you go to Iowa State and uh, it wouldn't have to be just that. Like you could set up an event for people in your major, like a symposium to, you know, help each other out and you could invite speakers. You know, Brandon was a perfect example of that. He did the Young Entrepreneur Convention and brought in speakers from all across the country. That would be an excellent example of organizational skill of, you know, drive, ambition, even if it didn't relate to your major, like that would be incredibly impressive. And if you could somehow to relate it to your major, if it was a conference like based on what you're studying, that would relate back. And that would be something you could put on your website, like a case study. Here's how I built this awesome conference. I know there's like this doctor guy in Ireland. I built a website for him way back, probably sophomore year of college. He somehow found me and emailed me. He's like, hey, can you build me a personal website? And uh, he's a guy who organizes this like medical care symposium in Ireland every year. And that's on his website. So just an idea and obviously not the only thing you could do, but just hopefully that's uh, something that can help you start thinking outside of the box. Like what can I do to represent myself that leaves something behind that people can see? Yeah, that's that's all great, especially the event thing. I didn't see. I would never have thought to do that. Mm -hmm. But also that probably sounds scary, but as maybe this is obvious. At least it should be. You could also get a bunch of other students that also want to look cool. Yeah. If that sounds really scary by yourself, just say, hey, do you want to have something really cool for your resume? I bet you do. Let's work on this thing together. You probably would need to, to be honest. Like you're not alone. So feel free to start it Mm -hmm. by asking other people to help and then then you can work on it from there. You don't have to have the event half set up before you ask for other people. And you can even do this through an existing club on your campus. You know, like I'm, I'm thinking to myself right now, there was an MIS club and I was never very active in MIS club. I always had other things going on. But had I been, I could have been like, hey, why don't we all invite famous developer X or like build an event for all the MIS students and bring in a bunch of people who can, you know, speak on their relative industries. I, I remember one of the main problems with MIS was a lot of students who were early on in it didn't really know what MIS grads did. Like they knew, okay, it's business, it's IT, but what are the actual jobs that we do? And that was actually the focus of that extra credit site that I built for my MIS professor. I built a site that broke down the entire MIS curriculum at Iowa State and also had a page that had a bunch of sample jobs So I was like, yeah, MIS, you know, you can go into actual application development, be a coder, or you can run servers or be a database administrator, be a system admin, or you can be a business analyst, which is what a lot of the non-tech people do. And uh, they're kind of like the go-between liaisons between the actual business bigwigs and and the coders and the really technical people. You know, they speak both languages and they help projects go along. So that kind of helps people get a better sense of what they could actually go into once they have their degree. And you know, I'm just getting ideas right now, but if I were still in college, I would absolutely try to put on some sort of, even a small event where I bring in professionals to speak on what they do. That'd be awesome. So I think this episode ended up being like 
<laughs> mainly websites and stuff. But seriously, that's, I think those are. Well, I mean, let me see. I'm see. getting excited about events now, man. Like, <laughs> I wanted to talk about personal brand. We did that. I wanted to talk about getting experience with stuff. You've got student jobs, internships, mm-hmm. side projects. We roundabout mentioned those things and they're kind of self-explanatory. Oh, you just reminded me of something. So with internships or student jobs or research projects with a professor, anything, ask for testimonials. Ooh, because that's a good uh, one way that I did this is I got testimonials on LinkedIn and people can actually write them through LinkedIn. There's an actual testimonial piece of the site. And then I took those testimonials and I put them on my personal website. So if you go over to thomasjfrank.com slash V2, which is the personal website I used for my third and fourth year of college, that has, uh, I think, two testimonials right on the front page talking about my work ethic and things like that. So that just helped to kind of flesh out my website and kind of just show off some of my uh, accomplishments. Yeah. All right. So the last thing that I want to mention about this that's specific is networking. That's something we haven't talked about a lot in this episode. Mm. And I know that was certainly important. So you don't always have to make some crazy website to make your first contact with people. In fact, had I another opportunity for first contact, I probably would have made it. So... At our school, they had a business career fair. Obviously, that was a great place to meet people because they'd bring in like hundreds of companies. They would send their recruiters into the school looking for specific people. You go up and meet them, introduce yourself, talk about the stuff you do and their job. Mm -hmm. And business cards were cool. I had a business card when I went there, and that tends to separate you from students who don't have one. Even if you're not really more qualified than they are, it's just an interesting thing that makes you memorable. You want to be memorable to these people. Yeah. The one thing about business cards, I think you'd need something other than like freshman in engineering well, yeah. or something on a business card. Now, see, so see, maybe you have think a freelance gig or something or maybe was, a part time job. I don't know. I was most serious about the business career fair in the later years. Yeah. When I had stuff to put on. That is true. Actually, but, that's that is a good thing to note here. Because with the career fair, I highly recommend going every single semester, but you are going to get more use out of it. Honestly, the first couple years were like social practice runs for Uh me. How do I talk to people and not feel stupid? Mm -hmm. And maybe you'll get a bonus internship at some point. You want to know a great way to leverage the career fair, especially early on, volunteer. Because the career fair usually needs volunteers to help out, you know, bring water bottles to recruiters or help set the tent up or whatever, like set up all the booths. They always get a bunch of students to be like career fair liaisons, I think they call them at our school. Yeah. And that is a great way to get FaceTime with recruiters before you have a bunch of skills and classes behind you that are going to qualify you for like a technical internship, you know, then they at least say like, oh man, this guy, he is on the ball because he's already doing something, even though he's a freshman. Yeah. So other than the career fair, it's not the only thing because I know not every college had one. You've also got professional organizations and clubs. The MIS club constantly had people coming in from big companies and they would bring food and all sorts of social stuff. You get a network with these high up people and that's going to help you on later. Mm-hmm. And there are other organizations, other groups. So I know for designers, you've got... The AIGA, I don't remember what it stands for, American something. I'll look up what the name is later. I'm going to guess American Graphics Industry Association. Something. That's my guess. Something. But you've got the AIGA, 
where you can go to events and you can network with people through that way, even when you're still a student. And I'm certain there are corollaries in other fields. I'm sorry, I'm looking this up. <laughs> American Institute of Graphic Arts. I realized that I switched the G and the I around. Yep. Because I'm a dingus. Yep. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> but yeah, there are ways to get out there. There mm -hmm. are ways to meet people. Yeah, absolutely. So I just made it kind of a policy early on in college to go to all the things, to say yes to everything. And that's how I ended up getting hired at my internship company without them even needing to interview me. Because I went to this freshman leadership seminar. I got to get paired up with a mentor, talked with him a bunch, and boom, 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 internship. That was awesome. Now, I know there's another thing that I've heard you recommend to people before where you kind of contact somebody who works at a place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, informational interview or something. Yeah, definitely. So I highly recommend doing this no matter what your GPA is. Find somebody, maybe in your local area, maybe not, depends what your goals are. Uh, who does the job you want to do or who potentially works at the company you want to work at. And you can usually find these uh, people on like LinkedIn. A great way to build an initial connection is to find maybe an alumni from your school who's doing what you want to do and get their email and just email them and say, hey, you know, I'm a student at this university. If you guys went to the same university, you know, if they're an alumni, you can say, hey, we're both from this university. I'm majoring in mechanical engineering, say, and I'm really interested in building monster trucks, you know, and you work at the monster truck company <laughs> that builds <laughs> Gravedigger. So this I is just, a dream job, right? Yeah. I was wondering, like, can I buy you coffee? Ask you some questions about, you know, what it, what a day in the life is and how you kind of got to where you were. Number one, people like to talk about themselves, but number two, people are usually willing to help someone out because they realized they, or they realize that there are people in their past who helped them get to where they are. And a lot of people just want to pay it forward if you'll ask. And if you're not in the area to do coffee, you know, you can do a Skype meeting to say, hey, you know, I'm really curious uh, about what it took to get where you where you are and what your day to day is. Can we do like a 15 minute Skype call? Would love to talk with you. If they don't say yes, you know, no, no sweat off your back. Like it says it doesn't harm you at all. But occasionally, I would say probably even more than occasionally, they're going to say yes. And number one, you get that perspective. But number two. You've just built a connection from with somebody who's directly in the industry that you want to be in. Now, this is not a situation where you ask for a job. This is just building the initial connection. It's a very casual thing, but it's planting the seed that may turn into something later. So yeah, excellent thing to do. And uh, just, just keep networking. Just do all sorts of networking. Um, the one thing I didn't talk about with websites is starting a blog. Obviously, I'm very biased about this because it worked out very well for me, but I'm actually curious what your perspective is on this because you started a blog, not in your professional area no, at yeah, all. It really had nothing to do with anything I was going yeah. to school for. You had a language learning blog. And honestly, like my blog was about college, but I was an MIS, you know, I was going into IT. So it was sort of the same thing for me. And when I say start a blog, a lot of students are like, well, do I have to start a blog that's related to my major area? Cause I don't really know if I want to do that. You know, I want to start a star Trek fan blog or something. I think that if you have a blog and it has any sort of professional aspect to it. And what I mean by that is like, does it help people or does it show off some sort of skill you have that can be an asset as long as the content of the blog is not like 
going to be polarizing or divisive or hurt you in some way. So, you know, probably don't yeah, put your like, 50 shades of gray fan blog. Here's the quickest way to get drunk.blogspot.com. <laughs> yeah. Probably isn't a yeah, job, don't do that. job getter. Yeah, but I mean, well, if you, maybe you know, it is, but I wouldn't risk it. I wouldn't gamble on that one. I don't think that's going to get you a job. That's a very specific anywhere. circumstance, maybe. <laughs> Unless, yeah, the, the one caveat here is like, if you're really, really funny, then write about whatever you want. Yeah. Because I remember uh, I was at VidCon and I went to the guy, the Epic Mealtime guys session, and they were talking about how they hired somebody because they had a really funny Twitter account. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if you want to get hired as a comedy writer or something, sure, tweet really offensive, hilarious things and have a blog that talks about something stupid as long as you're actually funny. But if, you know, barring that one little edge case, I don't think your blog or whatever content you create has to be directly associated with your major. Obviously, it's a boon if it is and you're really, really passionate about that major. But as long as it's something that can provide value to somebody or show off your skills, it's going to be a win. So if you're, you know, if you're going into web development, it doesn't matter what your blog is because you can customize it and tweak it all you want. Yeah. All you've got to do is say, well, I built a website. Yeah. You don't really care what text is on there. If you're, you know, regardless of what you are, it will make you a better writer. It'll make you a better communicator. And that's going to help because communication skills are among the most sought out skills that employers are looking for. And uh, if the subject is helpful to people in any way, then you can use it as an example in interviews. You can be like, hey, I've been building this resource online for a long time. You know, it's not exactly related to my major, but this just shows that I'm working on stuff outside of class. And I've got the ambition and the drive to keep something going for a long period of time. Yeah. And having a project might just make you a little bit more confident, which Mm -hmm. literally helps everything. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's a post on College of Ogeek. I think it's called like 14 Reasons You Should Start a Blog as a Student or some variation of that title. So that's got some more benefits to blogging in there if you want to check it out. Uh, And I wanted to say one other thing before we wrapped up here. For personal branding, this is kind of a plug for the College of Ogeek newsletter. But if you sign up for the College of Ogeek newsletter, yes, you get my book, which is 10 Steps to Earning Awesome Grades. But there is an older resource I created a while ago called the Personal Branding Checklist. And this kind of goes through a huge number of things that you can do to start crafting your online presence. And Give me uh, your email. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the sign up for my newsletter list, the one where I stalk you and come to your house. Yeah. That one. Give me that one. Yeah. I totally forgot that you had that tool. That is. That's yeah. That's awesome. That's very fitting for this mm-hmm. episode. There's That's one of three bonuses, I think. The other one is a graduation planning spreadsheet, which is it's literally the one I used. It calculated how many credits I was going to have total and how many credits I had every semester. And then it also was just a really good way to plan out what classes I'd be taking all across college. And when I changed my mind about something, I go update the spreadsheet just to make sure, yes, I will have enough credits to graduate. And yes, I will be hitting all my prereqs. Cool. So that was good. So yeah, but if you're if you curious about personal branding, that's in there. You know, judging from the podcast download numbers versus the number of people on the email list, I would imagine that most people have already signed up to get the book, which is like the probably the most compelling thing that is like a bonus for signing up. But the personal branding checklist is also available. Just got to scroll on the page. Cool. So, yeah, and I think that's all I have on my notes here. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Cool. So hopefully you guys found it helpful. You can find the show notes over at cigpodcast.com find the episode 116 link on the page and uh, we've got lots of different links to things one thing I, I wrote down was signaling theory we didn't actually get to signaling theory 
but it might be an interesting thing to read about. Uh, some people have some some opinions on why grades might actually be a useful thing to certain companies. So interesting read, but I still think that regardless of what your GPA is, there's a lot you can do to stand out and to compensate for it. Yeah. Yeah. Be the person with a 3.2 who did tons of cool things and you'll have an advantage over the person with a 4.0 who only did a 4.0. Yeah, definitely. Could not agree more. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening and go check out those show notes if you want to. Also, if you want to help support this show, one of the best ways to do it is to go over to iTunes and write a rating, I guess, write a rating and leave a review. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Doing that takes probably five minutes if you have iTunes. It's uh, just a really good way to, number one, give us feedback on how we're doing, but also more ratings and reviews and subscriptions. If you haven't subscribed already, that helps bump the show up the charts and gets it out to more people, which is definitely something we want to happen. So uh, once again, thanks for listening and we will see you next week. Stay cute.